It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White Provisions, or discover them online at BillyReed.com. That's BillyReed, R-E-I-D.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition. Uh, I believe it's episode number 42, according to my uh, trusted uh, colleague, Greg McMichael, here of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves, presented by our good buddy, Billy Reed. Uh, well, it's September, and uh, there, the magic number has dwindled to a single digit. Uh, the word clinch is being bandied about the office and the fan base all over the place, as it should be possible postseason matchups we're starting to like look at that and who that could be and so we thought that hey today would be a a, a good time for another edition of uh what are we what are we the harry and bubba's or bubba and harry show <laughs> just you and me just greg and ricky ricky mass from com. greg mcmichael director of braves alumni uh, relations and uh you have gone through this a number of times or you went through this a number of times in your playing career especially if there's braves teams where you're closing in on a division title and and clinch and magic numbers and all that good stuff so I, all right my first question is did you guys how much did you actually pay attention to the magic number i'm using the air quotes the magic number when you were playing and you were getting close especially if it's like, let's say, I don't want to jinx anything here, but I feel like the, the 2019 Braves, as we're sitting here recording on September 12th, pretty much have the NL East in the bag. I, I feel okay saying that. Um, are they paying attention to the magic number? Did you pay attention to the magic number? I think we paid the most attention to it, like in 1993, where we were going neck and neck with the, with the Giants. We really – there was – really didn't have to worry about it because we were catching them. We were trying to catch them the whole time when we were 10 games back of the All-Star break. It was very difficult. We weren't thinking about magic numbers. What we were thinking about is are they winning or are they losing? We knew we had to win, and then we would wait and see because them being on the West Coast, we'd have to wait to see if they won, whether we picked up a game or not. That was probably the, the biggest, I don't know, in my mind, the race. All the other ones, I don't think we really – we knew we had – we were, you know – we were in first place. We knew we were going to take care of business, but that was the only year. Of course, what's interesting, that was my very first year in the big leagues, 
and so I was I was closing at the time. So every game meant a lot because when you're when you're down by ten games and you're trying to come back on a very good team that had Will Clark and and um, you it was know Bonds first year there yeah right? Bonds was mm-hmm. there and they had um, I mean they just had a really really good team and so when you're thinking about Robbie Thompson and and Matt uh, who's the third baseman Williams uh, Matt Williams yeah was having a great year so when you have a team like that and you're trying to see if they're going to win or not, whether you can pick up a game. That was I just remember that being the most intense watch. But now this team, the team that I was on in 93 and 91, 92, they, you know, they had, you know, worst to first. So they had some really um, big seasons where it was neck and neck the whole season. But then it seemed like in 93 it was like that too because we started out so poorly and then we really made a charge at the end. And then, but I don't remember being so much in '95 and '96, where we really um, were watching the scoreboard and wondering, wondering when we we're going to clinch. I remember at one year, um, it seemed like in um, I can't remember exactly which one it was '95 or '96. We clinched pretty early, and um, and I remember just kind of going through a little bit of a lull, you know, before we were trying to prepare for the you know for the postseason, but. For the most part, um, you know, the whole clinching aspect, uh, you know, as a player, you understand it, you're around it, everybody's talking about it, reporters after the game. But, you know, as a team, you know that it's a fine line between thinking too far ahead, but, you know, because we're taught one pitch at a time, one at bat at a time, you're really trying to focus on your job. And when you start letting your mind wander to two weeks ahead, three weeks ahead, four weeks ahead, it does you no good, and you end up getting burnt in the short term. So you're really just trying to stay in that routine. And that routine doesn't matter whether you clinch tomorrow or clinch, you know, today or in two weeks because you know you've got to do the same thing. you gotta, you got to take captive that thought of what am I doing right now to help this team win because you're, you're really trying to sustain everything that you've built from spring training on. You're trying to sustain – it on into the playoffs that's not you get to the playoffs and you know whatever so if you go into a little lull it can get you out of your routine and next thing you know you you lose the feel for this pitch and and all of a sudden you know your mind wanders and you don't you can't um you can't attack that hitter the same way because you're kind of out of sync i was one another thing i wanted to ask you about then is so the 2018 braves the clinch here we remember i remember we interviewed uh John Smoltz that morning of because he was calling the game for Fox. Uh, I'm just having a flashback because we're we're in one of the suites recording today, yeah, and that's, that's right. that was that was the only other time we recorded in a suite, I believe, that was not the alumni lounge was that day that they clinched last year. So a little deja vu, yeah, all over again as Yogi would would have said. <laughs> um, but so the the celebration that day, you know, it was it was a big celebration. It was the, the guys were legitimately excited as you always as they always are when you win, you clinch a division. But that was kind of like the the real okay. The rebuild is over. We made it through. Like almost like okay, it's a relief. Like we're back. That that whole thing. Obviously, when they win the division this year, they're going to celebrate. But to me, is the celebration a little bit different? It's different, right? Because now it's like yeah. well, this is yes, of course we want to win the division. That's that's one sure. goal. But we want to do a lot more. I think that's the general feeling around this team. So the celebration changes yeah. a little bit when the expectations are there, it, right? It's a little muted 
because you have a, a uh, large part of these guys that were here last year. If you had a brand new team, you can just throw all that out the window. It wouldn't matter. Right. If you think about the, the teams of the 90s, 91 was a huge celebration because they went from worst to first. Nobody thought they'd be in it. That had to be just an unbelievable – none of them had been in the playoffs before. None of them – I don't know if anybody was there from the 81 team. Um, I, I, I don't believe so. But um, I, I would imagine that was a huge celebration. 92 was probably big, but not so, but just a step down. Because I know when we started celebrating, um, 93 was big because, you know, it's just all about expectations. But it was nothing like when we won the World Series. That right. celebration was because we had never won the World Series. Right. But we had won National League championships. You know, that was the third one. So, you know, it was big, but it wasn't like, um, you know, it was as big as when we won the World Series. So I, I think this year it can't help be as exciting as what it was last year because expectations have changed. I think these guys on this team, for all intents and purposes, expected to play at a high level and to win the division again this year. I don't know why they wouldn't. They had the same team but better. And um, so now there might have been some lulls during the season, but I, I think that it, it'll it'll be muted a little bit. Now they win that first round of playoffs, they're going to be a little bit more excited. They win the National League Championship, they're going to be you know, going to be ecstatic. And they go to the World Series and win that, then it's going to be like, you know, those, those last two will be huge celebrations. But I don't anticipate this one being anything like it was last year. That was kind of my thinking, too, and I think that's okay. I think that's good, actually. Yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it is like, yeah, let's, let's have fun with it and let's celebrate right. a little that's bit. That's not but the goal. Is, but this isn't the goal. No. This is just one step right. along the, the, the mm -hmm. place we're trying to get to. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good to hear. I, that's kind of what I assumed, but uh, I wanted to know if that was kind of the same feeling back then. I, I would have think that. But you never know. These these kids are a little different these days. Yeah. I mean, they may they may celebrate all of them, and uh, they may celebrate the the clinch just the same way they did. I I don't know. I just remember I mean, the teams that I was on. It just seemed like that when you had the core group of guys that were already involved in it, you just learned. Oh, hey, I was expecting to do this. So if you're already expecting it, you're not going to be as excited. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like getting that, you know, gift for Christmas that you've told your parents you've wanted for the last 12 months and you saw it underneath the bed and, <laughs> you know, and you unwrapped it and you looked at it and then you wrapped it back up and you put it back. Wait, I never did that. Did no, you? <laughs> no, no, no. I was not a snooper. I was not a snooper. But I could see a shape of a box and yeah. figure it out. So you you're know, not going right. to be excited when you already right. know you're getting it, right? So right. Uh, right. I think I think there's something to be said for that as a, as a player, of course. Everybody can say, well, you know, I expect, expect to win the World Series every year. Well, you may put that down on your goal sheet, but, you know, you don't always – do you really believe it? I think this team coming off of a season they had last year and then building upon that and having an even better team this year, I think their expectations grew a little bit to where they said, okay, we're not only going to win the division, but we're going to win the first round and we're going to win this – we're going to go to the National League Championship and play the Dodgers. I think that they – I think they set their goals – and set their sights on that. It's hard to set your sights on win the World Series when you haven't done it, right? It's It wasn't hard for us to do it because we'd been the World Series three times uh, or two times before we went and, you know, and won it. But um, so our expectations were, well, it's either win the World Series or not. I think for these guys, it was either win the division or, you know, or, or bust kind of deal. And I think going in the playoffs, they already have that mindset. How um, how important, because they're, they're – the Dodgers, the the gap between the Dodgers' record and and the Braves' record this year is closed tremendously, 
and presumably that's going to be the it's one of those two for home field advantage throughout the, the postseason. The Dodgers have it right now, or at least until you get to They're the World Series. They're only like a couple games up, right? It's, as we're recording today, it's either three, three and a half, four, something. So oh, it is. Okay. But it's it's within it's within yeah. range. You know, sure. the Braves have closed it considerably here in the last month. Of course, they've won 11 out of the last 13. That's something like, don't quote me on this, but 18 out of the last 21 or, or 22 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they've, they've closed it up. How important – how important do you think is is home field advantage, and is that something you guys like? If you've already got the division locked up, but you also know home field is within at least within your grasp there, or it's a possibility. Is that something that you really are trying to get amped up to play for? Oh, I think it's. I personally think this is a huge deal because the Dodgers, remember they they won their division probably two months ago, and I, I really believe that. When they came here, I think the game changer was when we came here and we kicked their butt during alumni weekend. I think that was a shot across the bow. And then with us creeping up and potentially overtaking them for home field advantage would be a huge, a huge psychological game for us um, when we played them in the National League Championship. Because they probably thought, I mean, remember, they've been there for the last three or four years, right? They've been there. And so, in their mind, they're not thinking about – and then they came here and they kicked our butts early in the year. Yeah. Or, or, no, out there. They, out they, there, they yeah. kicked swept, us. Swept us, I yes, believe. Yeah. they beat us pretty badly out there. So, they weren't thinking about us at all. And then, all of a sudden, we get on a little roll. We get Keiko. We start playing better. Um, and then they come here, and we're a totally different team. So, that got their attention. And now, we, we take them, overtake them for home field advantage – to me, that levels the playing field, and it just puts something in their head a little bit, like, well, the Braves aren't what we thought they were, because they came here in the playoffs last year, and you know, and they didn't have any problem whatsoever. So, I mean, for the most part, right. and then, so I just think that that's just another way of us inching closer to them to say, hey, we're not the same team we were. You're going to have a problem with us when we get to the playoffs. So, I think it's a big deal from a psychological standpoint. I think confidence for our team. Also letting the Dodgers know, you know, kind of uh, who this team really is. That's a great – that's such an interesting answer on it because I think when I was asking, I was thinking of it more in terms of, like, actual home field advantage and how much does it matter in the, the postseason. But your answer there is – I love that because it's you're yeah. talking more about the the psychological aspect of it of you're, we are well, – I think you just said we are a problem. Like, you can't just look past us. This mm-hmm. is – look what we've done here. Look what we've built throughout the season. And this is not the same Braves you played last postseason. It's not the same Braves you played the first time we saw them out in L.A. this year, that this is uh, – we're, we're here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really, really interesting take on the, – the home field advantage, the actual home field advantage part of it, How do you think that that's that important in the postseason? Does it matter that much to you or not really? Uh no, I don't think it's a but what it what what is it a big advantage is the Dodgers are unbelievable at home. Right. I mean that's the big problem. It's not you. necessarily where you start and win. Um it's the matter of fact of cuz I remember we went to Colorado in the five game series, you know, we had to start out there 95. And, yeah, 95 and that was a big problem because they were really good at home and you had to start out on the road but um so i don't know if that's as big an advantage as just the fact that the dodgers play so well at home that's there's a they have a lot of confidence there they have hardly lost so but us going there this time will be a different story because we're a different team and i think that makes that makes a big impact probably internally maybe so much more than just you know what what the dodgers think 
Um, but I think just our confidence level that we've been playing well, we catch them, especially for a young team like this, the Braves, they need all those confident boosts that they can get, right? Young players, and they go into a tough situation against a team that's been there. They need that. They need that reassurance that, hey, you're just as good as those guys. And when you overtake a team for home field advantage, that's just another thing you put to say, listen, I told you I was good, mm-hmm. right? Now you know it because it says it right there on the paper. Right. It's uh, it's funny as the summer has gone on, this team's gotten even better, and then the the moves made the deadline to strengthen mm. an area of the team that needed a little bit of strengthening, and that is paying off in dividends. We sure. saw it uh, as we're recording this last night. We saw Chris Martin immaculate inning in the seventh, Shane Green the eighth, Melanson took care of business in the ninth. We're seeing that all pay dividends, and I've been saying to a number of people throughout as the summer's gone on, I'm like, you know, this team, I'm not gar- – like, you just never know what can happen. Postseason happens, anything can happen, but – I'm like, this team legitimately has a shot to win oh, the yeah, whole thing. For sure. I mean, it's, it's Shane Green himself said uh, within the last week, he said, well, this, he said, we're the best team in baseball. And I love that. Oh, yeah. And this is a new guy came over and sees what we got here. And he's, yeah, this is the best team in baseball. And I love that that's the attitude they have. And, okay, so, and I, I might already know what your answer here, but I'm curious. Because this probably runs against the taking it one game, one day at a time kind of thing. But – when you know you're going to be in the postseason, but the matchups and everything still have to be shaken out, are you starting to pay attention a little bit to potential postseason opponents, what they're doing? Like, let's say, uh, for instance, right now, are the guys in the clubhouse maybe just taking an extra gander at, like, when the Cardinals are on? Because that's a possible postseason opponent, what they've got right now. Not trying to look too far ahead, but are you mm-hmm. maybe paying a little bit more attention to – potential postseason opponents at this point in September. You know, these guys all pay attention to baseball, Mm -hmm. just like they probably pay attention to football and basketball and whatever. But they pay attention to baseball because they're professional baseball players. And so they have friends and they have – they played on some of those teams. They're aware of everything that's going on. But you got to remember, these guys are in the middle of a grind. That grind started back in February. And now they've just gone through a season of innings – of at-bats, of injuries, of, you know, not feeling so good, travel, everything they've done, they are just holding on for dear life to to make sure they can maintain their routine and compete at a high level. So I think a lot of times we sit back as fans and we sit back as people who are close to the game but not necessarily playing it, meaning, you know, you do your job in baseball, I do my job in baseball – and we, we come from a perspective of thinking, well, you know, maybe they're they're thinking about all these scenarios. But when you're in that, you are just trying to survive at your job. And it, that's I don't say that in a negative way, like, oh, you're holding on for dear life, you can't, you know. But you're just, you're, you're battling this routine that you've got to do day in, day out, day out. That if you let your mind go down these rabbit trails, you can't do your job day in and day out. And the one thing about baseball that I love and that what I when I was going to comment on the three pitchers that pitched there at the end, I think why you why you see things that have shaken out and why the bullpen is 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 doing what we all thought it should have done, it just didn't do it the first two weeks, is because now those guys know their role. Now they've settled into that role. Now they are in a routine. Remember, you had three guys coming from three different teams trying to figure out what role they were going to play, coming on with a new team, new relationships, new surroundings, new apartments, 
you know, new new um, travel, all this kind of stuff that they were doing. It took it needed, and they're veterans, so it took them a little bit of time to do it. But now we're starting to see them settle in to that routine and do exactly what we all knew that they could do, but just didn't know them because we didn't know them that well. So I think I think with the long season of baseball, you're just trying to maintain that. And now once you've gotten it, think about we won eight. If we won 18. I think we won 18 out of 21 and maybe 18 or 19 out of 23 now. So we we won those amount of games, and we're doing something extremely well at a very high level. They're all fighting to maintain that. And the one thing you want to – if you want to get out of that routine, you start thinking about things that, that you have no control over, and that's what the Cardinals are doing or that's what this team's doing or what the Dodgers are doing, all that. You're just You're just staying in your lane. And day in, day out, you're eating the same thing, you're wearing the same thing, you're walking the same steps, you're doing the same routine at going out to third base, you're doing the same routine in the bullpen, you're doing the same routine, getting the same massage at the same time by the same person at the same week. I mean, you're doing all that just to try to keep from going out of your routine because whatever they've they've established at this point during the season, you you know that they're trying to keep that. Mm Mm-hmm. How big of a boost is it when you know when, you know, it seems like about a month ago, it's like we looked at the lineup and it's like, oh, my gosh, half our lineup just yeah. vanished. Like right. it just seemed like it happened so quickly. I mean, I know it happened in a span of days or a couple of weeks or whatever, but it's just like all of a sudden you look at the lineup one day and you're like, one through four is the same, but five through eight is mm-hmm. that this is completely different. And they, this I think a credit to the front office for plugging those holes when they needed to be plugged, or those those leaks in the ship, if you will. Mm-hmm. They plugged them quite well, and then guys like guys like a Rafael Ortega steps up, gets a big hit, yeah. grand slam against the Dodgers. Those guys f- fill in, you know. Charlie gets to be, plays plays admirably, fills fills in more. Guys mm-hmm. come up, you acquire a, a Danny Hetcheverria and and a Billy Hamilton and a Francisco Cervelli to come help, you know, uh, get you through this time. But now pretty much all those guys are back, and as of we're sitting here recording, I mean the reports are this isn't an official team statement. This is just from what uh, the, the media reports were saying, that Marcakis could be back in the lineup as soon as this weekend against the Nationals, which would be a heck of a turnaround for him. I, if I ever break my wrist, I want to get with him. I want to have a group <laughs> consultation with Nick Marcakis and Freddie Freeman and go. just say, okay, how did you guys do it? Because you both came back before you were supposed to. Yeah, It's uh, great to be young. It's great to be young. Well, Nick's and have about medical attention all day, every day. There's that. I have neither of those. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but Nick is about my Nick and I are pretty much the same age. So I'll I'll have to ask him about that. But yeah. but how big of a boost is that? Because that's always the big thing when you come out of spring training. You know you have a good team and their expectations. Right. I think it's it's almost cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. It's like well, we have to stay healthy. That's number one. Mm-hmm. You got to stay healthy. Sure. And for the most part this year, the Braves did. And then suddenly the injury bug not only it, it happened and it started to seem to collect a lot of people now we're just about almost back to full strength i know ender's still possibly end of the month but Mm -hmm. getting nick back would be a pretty huge piece there how big of a boost is that when you know like all the injuries like the guys are starting dansby's already back nick's on the way back that's got to be like that's got to make you feel riley's back had a a good swing on the ball last night let's give a shout out to our training staff because those guys have been busy Mm mm-hmm you know, we think about, oh, what well, just guy can't can't believe that Riley's not playing left tonight, and you know, and can't believe Marcakis is out, can't believe you know Dansby's out. But think about what it means for our our training staff, what the work that they're doing on a daily basis, and they've done an incredible job. So, 
wanted to um, say something um, good about those guys. And, and uh, you know, I'm starting to pay much more attention to athletic trainers and what they do now. My One of my sisters, That's uh, right. she is now uh, the athletic trainer for a, a Division One collegiate tennis team for both the men's and women's. And she's only been maybe a month on the job, a little bit more than a month. And the stuff she's already had to deal with, uh, I mean, part of her job, the things that she's like, I just – it's mostly my ignorance to to tennis probably and what all can occur but but not even just tennis like the athletes get hurt off the court or off the field too things can happen and the things she's had to deal with and the situations pretty serious such a couple of very serious situations she's been put in and had to handle and she's handled quite well so far it's given me i mean i respect what the trainers and physicians do anyways but then having somebody i'm so close to and seeing what they do on a daily basis and all the different things they have to handle my hat's off to those folks, and our training staff here, our athletic trainers have just done an amazing job to keep our guys as healthy as they have. So mm-hmm. huge shout-out to them. Yeah. Well, I know that when you have those challenges, you know, and we are talking about trainers and stuff, but when you have those challenges as a team and you see the quality of guys that step up, you know, that we've had that have filled in in left field, filled in in right field, filled in at shortstop, and then you still win ball games. That just makes your team stronger. You know, we've one of the big things we've noticed about this team is the depth on the bench. Now, I hated, hated seeing Camargo out, go out last night because he came back from AAA hitting the ball really well. He goes out, you know, he gets hit in the shin. And um, I don't know, have we heard any reports on how he's doing? Uh, the report last night was he was – it was uh, just day-to-day. Contu- contusion. contusion. A contusion yeah. and day-to-day. Well, he day. was in pain I know, was, last night. When he walked off and he was, you know, couldn't hardly – really couldn't put any weight on it, yeah. that was – you're kind of thinking, oh, gosh, especially a day after Christian Yelich. Oh, my gosh. I know he cracked his kneecap. Uh, I know. Oh, so that, that was sick. You automatically kind of – mind kind of wonders to the worst, but it – yeah. Again, it's only the next day. Uh, well, the shin like bone's a little thicker than the kneecap, yeah. so that's the good thing. So hopefully he's okay. But I just know that guys like that have continued to step up. You know, Camargo here just recently, but also you know earlier in the season. I think it just from the overall you know health of a team, it just it just helps you because you know you've got guys there that are playing their roles. They're doing their job. And we've said this before about Charlie. Charlie has played his role extremely well. And, um, you know, and Ortega's come up and he played a role. And Riley played a role there during the middle of the season. And, um, you know, and so w- there's no doubt that when Nick comes back, if he's 100%, he's going to go to right field. And um, because he he has a big role in this team and he's a proven, you know, uh, all-star and gold glover and silver slugger, and he's going to go right back in and do his job. But sometimes to get to the, those points – you got to have people who are not all stars necessarily that, to step up, and and that's the sign of a championship team, to my, in my opinion. You always have those guys. You know, for me, it was Luis Polonia and you know Mike Devereaux and guys like that that played roles with us, and Alejandro Pena that played roles for years that got us to the World Series and, and ultimately helped us win it. But they weren't the everyday guys, but they're guys that had to fill in. You know, I think about Rafael Belliard. He was playing shortstop in 95 for us when we won the World Series because Jeff Blauser got hurt. But the, but Blaus played the role all year. He played it in 91 and 92 and 93 and 94. And then, and then um, you know, he just happened to get hurt late in the season, and he stepped up, and and, um, and Rafael was all of our, always our late-inning guy for defensive replacement. But he had to play. He wasn't a great hitter. But he had to play, and, and we had enough pitching and defense that uh, allowed us to win – 
you know, win the World Series. So you, those guys are those guys just are the they're the the little flags that come up that say is this team good enough to win? And when you got people around you that are stepping up and playing their roles, then it's just a great sign. Well, that segues perfectly into my next question because now we have an abundance of players, and with September rosters expanding, except the roster expansion for September, I think we were carrying like 33 guys right now. Got a lot of guys, a lot of quality guys that have played roles for this team mm-hmm. so far, but then come playoff time, a lot of these guys are fighting for a playoff spot, or right. for a spot on the postseason Cervelli, roster. right? Cervelli's one, Echeverria, mm-hmm. Billy Hamilton. Right. There's, and there's any number of ways you can go with that. Now, the good, that's a very good problem to have because if you go back to that and at the NLDS last year against the Dodgers, if there was one, if you were going to point to one area, in my opinion, that was the biggest disparity between the Do- the 2018 Dodgers and 2018 Braves, it was depth. The Dodgers had bukus of depth. They had a whole, they had a bench full of starters for other teams. Basically, we didn't no disrespect to anybody that was on the team, but we didn't really have that here with the, the with the Braves last year. I think we definitely have it this mm-hmm. year. You've got guys on this bench that could start for other teams. So what is that just kind of that like? And I know your rookie year in 93, you were the closer. So you're, you, as the year went on, you became the closer. So your roster spot was set. And you, I'm assuming at least for the next few years after that, your roster, I'm assuming your spot for the playoff season was pretty much set because you were you know, one of the anchors of the bullpen. So I don't know. I guess first, did you ever, with the Braves or elsewhere, ever go through that thing of like where your your postseason roster spot wasn't a sure thing and you kind of had to fight for it? And whether you did or did not, what is that whole atmosphere like when there's guys and you're all playing as a team, but you know there's only room for so many of you on the postseason roster? Yeah, it never happened to me, but I was obviously around other teammates that they were concerned whether that would happen to them. And, and I know I think about, you know, Charlie Culberson. I can't remember the last time he pinched hit or – came in because we have the the roster has expanded and there's some guys that you know you can play matchups you know a snit goes but the one thing we know is that snit's going to take the best 25 guys and they're going to go onto that roster whether it's pitching whether it's defense whether it's hitting and uh, these guys have had you know eight weeks to six weeks to figure out um, you know or, or to put on a show Right, Billy Hamilton's been here. Cervelli's been here. Those guys are are wanting to be on that roster, not only for this season, but they're basically showing other teams that, uh, hey, I'm still a really good player, and I'm I'm working for a job next year as well. So I think any time, of course, that's probably way back in the back of their mind. But I think they're all athletes. They they play at a high level. They want to compete. And any time you get closer to the to the playoffs, and you're on a great team you want to do your best to help win because you never know when it's your last time going to the postseason. You know, never know when it's the last time to even have a chance to win the World Series. So they're all excited down there. They all want to contribute. They all want to play. They all want to be on that playoff roster. But the thing about it is there's a lot of competition. But you know what? That's great for us. It's great for the staff because they want guys to compete, and whoever's competing at the highest level at that point and they're needed, then that's who they're going to take. And I don't think they're – they're shy about uh, letting guys know that. I think everybody understands that. Um, maybe if this was your first time in the big leagues this year, you may not understand that as much, like O'Reilly. But uh, the guys who've been around, Cervelli and Billy Hamilton and those guys, Hetcheveria, that, that have come in, they understand it. They know it. So um, they're just trying to do, you know, and, and of course as an organization, that's what we want. Right, We want the best 25 guys out there that give us a chance to win. And even though you might be loyal to somebody like Charlie Culberson who's 
been doing it for the last year and a half, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter. It just matters what, what's happening right now because you owe it to all the organization. You owe it to the 25 guys on the team to put your best lineup out there and your best team because at some point they're all playing a role. It's interesting uh, you mentioned about um, – it's interesting how you mentioned that you never know when you might have another chance, if you'll ever have another chance at the postseason, the World Series, or any of that. I have in, I instantly flashed back to when we had Jeff Francoeur on Behind mm-hmm. the Braves back in January, I think it was, and we asked him about what was the – if he had to pick out one standout moment or highlight from his career, his playing career, what would it be? And he he said it was getting to play in the World Series when he was with the Rangers in 2011, I think it was, and they lost the World Series. But that was there wasn't any hesitation for him. He said, that was it. That yeah. was he said that's what you dream of. Get, it took him what nine years, eight years to yeah. get to the World Series. De- debuted in '05, right. so yeah, yeah. And I mean, think about Chipper. He won for his first year playing. Never won another one. Yeah, yeah and he won '95. Now he was there again in '99. Right, but it it, it, it could appear easy. You know, your first year, everything went right for us in 95. I mean, we, we just – right out the gate, we played well. And and, um, and so, I think about Dan Marino. I think yeah. Dan Marino went to the playoffs his first year, and I think I've even heard him talk about that, that uh, – I don't know, they may have gone to – they go to the Super Bowl his I rookie think year. they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Redskins That's right. his rookie year, and then he Redskins. never made – Redskins. I know, I know. <laughs> Flip side note for all y'all listening, <laughs> Greg is a diehard Cowboys fan. I'm a diehard Redskins fan. So, uh, well, Oil and water, baby. That's right. That's right. We see eye to eye on most things. Football is not one of them. That's right. <laughs> but anyways. But I've heard Dan Marino talk about yeah. I my first year, I thought I'd be going back every year. and did go again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think everybody realizes it. Um, sometimes it's tougher when you're younger. But as you get older, like Jeff Franco realized that it wasn't easy get into the postseason and not only getting it but going deep in the postseason. So um, I think the veteran guys do it, and hopefully they're turning it up a notch and, and uh, they're going to help this team win. Roster construction for a postseason team is always interesting to me because I think the way you would build a, a postseason roster isn't necessarily the same way you're building your regular season 162 roster. And I have this zero insight or knowledge of what's actually going to happen for me. This is just me speculating a little bit, but – I look at guys like Cervelli and Hamilton, and I think, you know, I, maybe I grew up in the, the Bobby Cox era where I'm used to three catchers being on the postseason roster, and I kind of like that. It's just – especially if in the three catchers that we have, like I could see that happening. A guy like Billy Hamilton, you know, whether he's – you know, maybe he's hitting well or he's not hitting well, he's a guy you know can go in and play center field late and he can and perhaps more importantly in the postseason he can go in and steal you a base if you need somebody to steal a base as in today's game of 2019 major league baseball who better than billy hamilton to go out there to send if you need somebody to steal a base and i just wonder if some things like that could end up be the tipping point of they they get a roster spot in the postseason as opposed to somebody else i don't know we still got a couple weeks well we wouldn't be having the conversation if ender wasn't hurt that's that's true. So that's true. Um, I think Ender's got a, hits the ball a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least he was coming on. I think if if we were playing the postseason in April, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have Ender on there because he doesn't hit well early in the season. Right. But he was getting hot, you know, um, and hitting like we know he can, and then he gets hurt. So I think that um, you know, so that means he's not going to be able to run. But if he was healthy, then you're going to have him on before you would have Billy Hamilton because he can play center, he can steal, he can hit, and uh, he's just one of uh, you know he's a he's a guy you want on your roster. But yeah, I think when you're thinking about the playoffs, you're constructing uh, per round. 
So you're looking for a fi- you're looking at a five game series. How do, who are the best personnel for me win the first five game series? And then you can then you can change it. You know then you can uh, think if somebody gets hurt or whatever. If that guy doesn't do it, you you know you drop him off the next roster. But uh, I don't know if you can do that if if they're not hurt. But um, right, or yeah. I'm not sure how that works exactly. But basically, you're building it for a mini season now. So you've got three rounds. You've got you know first round National League Championship and the World Series, and so you're you're looking at a very small sample size of games that you've got to play, as opposed to six months of playing. Then you might take a guy who's who's going to be overall better, kind of a, the marathon guy, as opposed to a sprinter. You might be looking at some more sprinting guys now that are going to help you get over. And and also remember, it's it's a lot of it's about who's hot. I mean, guy might have been great from April, May, June, and July, and then he just went into he went into the tank, pitching wise or hitting wise. And even though you loved him because he was great and he helped get you to July, but now he's cold as ice. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have him on the roster when you picked up somebody to help fill the void. And that's what we did in the bullpen, right? Correct. So it's not like you're gonna um, you think about uh, you think about what uh, Luke Jackson did you know, pretty much most of the season to help this bullpen get along, well, you're not going to keep him as a closer role just because he helped you. You've got those guys lined up at seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and you've got your bullpen set now. And then the rest of the guys, like Sean Newcomb and, and Luke Jackson, they're filling in in the sixth inning, you know, and, and they're they're kind of helping you get to those three guys. Well, that's the way it's set now, and you see you've got your studs there at the end, and, and, and that's they're, they're approaching the lineup the same way. Who in the world is going to get us, you know, to where we need to do, you know, be during the game in the lineup? And so I, I think the bullpen is a good good example of that. It's really what Snit's looking at. Who's going to be the best bench players for us? Who's hitting the best? You know, and, and who can help us fielding and stealing bases like that? All right, well, last question about the, the postseason roster makeup then uh, with the rotation. Even those Braves teams in the 90s, you think, well, it's like how hard could that have been? But you had three <laughs> Hall of Famers. Like, who do you choose? And what? How does? What is the? How do you? How do you decide on that? Yeah, I, I think this team, this particular roster of the Braves, depending on what the mindset is, you've got one veteran, proven veteran, and, and Keuchel there. I mean, I don't want to discount Julio either because he's had a good season. He's a veteran. He's yeah. in the mix. And then you got Soroka and Freed. I think those four Fultys look good recently. So yeah, yeah. The question is really, do you go with Fulty or do you go with uh, Julio? Mm-hmm. And the question comes down in in the staff's mind is who's the hottest right now and who matches up the best mm-hmm. because you know they're not going to use five guys because you're not going to pitch you know in a right. in a five game series you look you need three guys to win and then you may have a fourth guy we know they're not bringing back anybody early those days are done they're not bringing they're not having a guy pitch on three days rest or two days rest like some guys have done in the past. I just don't see that ever happening. So you know they're going to use at least four guys. So I think the question is, is, is Fulte hotter than Tehran right now? And how in, in the first round, if we're playing the Cardinals, let's say the Cardinals beat the Cubs or the Cardinals beat the Nationals in the first round um, or in the playoff uh, for the wild card. So now we got to play the Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. So no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Cardinals uh, – win the wild card, they play the Dodgers, we play the Cubs, right? right. Or, um, yeah, they win yeah. the Central, we play and, the I mean, Cubs. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, we're, yeah, the Cardinals. One of them's going to win the Central. All right, so let's yeah, say, the, yeah, let's say yeah. the Cubs right. win the Central mm-hmm. and the Cardinals are the wild card or the Nationals are the wild card and they play the Dodgers. 
So now we've got to say in the matchups, who pitched better against the Dodgers? I mean, up against the Cubs. Did Julio pitch better or did Fulte pitch better? And then, you know, so they're going to look at all that and they're going to decide because that's really what it comes down to. I don't think they're going to mess with, with uh, Max and and uh, Mike and and, uh, and Dallas. And yeah. Dallas. I think those three guys are set. I think it's really about – and if Fulte was pitching the way he, he's supposed to pitch, there would be no doubt about that either. He would be our number four guy. Mm-hmm. But the question is, do they believe that, that Fulte – and Julio, you know, which one is better for the team right now that can take that fourth spot? Mm-hmm. And then maybe then you have the other one in the bullpen. And he and, – because let's keep in mind, if Fulte goes out there and he struggles in the first two innings, they're pulling him and they're putting in Julio. Right. Or if Julio starts and he struggles, they're going to bring there's, – there's no, well, we got to get him to five or six innings. Mm-hmm. Now it's all hands on deck every game. And I think it's with a lot of those guys. They may, you know, they may only go three or four innings if they struggle. They can't afford to give up five or six runs in the first two innings. Well, so let's assume, let's go with the assumption then that Soroka, Freed, and Dallas are are going to be the first three game starters. If you're if you're running things, who do you go out there with? Do you, are you playing? Are you playing strictly matchup like game one starter is going to be matchup based or is it going to be you've got one guy out of those three, one guy that's the veteran who's former Cy Young Award winner who's been in the postseason before with the Astros. Are you using that as your basis for making him go out there or putting him oh, in yeah, game he's, one? Oh, yeah, he's definitely my game one. He's your game and one? I'm okay. pitching, I'm pitching uh, you know, you know, Max and, uh, and Mike have not looked great. You know, Soroka have not looked great the last uh, couple starts. But they still got the stuff there. I think I think you've got to go with them, and then you've got uh, if you don't use Fulte, then he's got he's your game four starter mm-hmm. um, for that. You know, and then with days off, then you might be able to bring back Dallas for the for the fifth game. The beautiful thing again about this whole discussion we're having is there are options. There's depth. Yeah. There's choices. Right. There, there, there are the options to choose from. There are different, e- good personnel. Either to way, those from. five guys are going to be they're going to be pitching. Right mm-hmm. now, whether you start three, three of them and you've got two that are ready to come in in, in long relief, and then whoever you don't use, you have him start the fourth game, and then you got Keiko to come back for the fifth game. So, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those one of those scenarios. And then when you get to a seven game series, it's a different ball game. You know, you might have two off days. Well, however it all shakes out, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see how, how they construct the postseason roster. Again, we've got a lot of great guys to choose from, and that's how you want it. You want it to be like – you want to have more guys on the roster, like more guys available to you than you can take with you. You want to feel bad that you're having to leave a couple guys <laughs> out because they're legitimate options. So That's right. That's going to be great to, to see how it all shakes out. And September baseball, it's just – I love this time of year. We're closing in on it. We're – Talking about clinching, it's just I love this time of year, and it's good to be talking that way every year now in Braves country again after a few years off. So, <laughs> uh, all right, so we got one last homestand of the regular season coming up, which means we've got one more uh, Braves alumni, alumni Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So, who do we have? Do you have who do you have lined up for that? Yeah, so I've got the '70s guys coming at the um, bringing up the the end, and they are going to finish it out for us. That's Phil Negro, Gene Garber, former closer. And uh, Tom Pachork. So he was a great hitter back in the 70s, early 80s. And uh, so looking forward to having those guys here on uh, the 22nd, I believe, of September. It'll be our last weekend. 
before we head into the playoffs. So let's finish out strong. And uh, it's been a great season of Alumni Sundays. I really enjoyed it. The guys have stepped up and, and showed up here at the ballpark, and we've had great fan participation out there in the battery. So uh, let's do it one more time and, and finish strong. That'll be fun. I haven't been around Gene, but having been around <laughs> Tom and uh, Nuxy a little bit, they both have uh, – they're both fun personalities, oh, yeah. fun people. Well, they around, great so. stories. Yeah. Now, now Gino, um, you know, he was a closer for a long time. He's one of our uh, save leaders. I think he's maybe third or something. He's got over 100 saves, 120 saves, I believe, with us. And, uh, he, he, you know, he was a little different. He was a kind of a low, low three-quarters guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you wouldn't call him a submariner, but he was kind of a sidearm guy. He had like a little bit of a twisting motion. He was kind of funny. If you haven't seen any clips of him closing out games, he was pretty good for us back in the uh, 70s and 80s. But uh, like Gino, yeah, he's a farmer up in uh, Pennsylvania. Nice. So okay. uh, he's coming down to coming down to see us. So nice. yeah, and we have uh, actually we've got one other event. You can check it out on Braves.com/slash/alumni. That's our Brave for a Day. We've got another one of those coming up here. Um, in October. So check that out, the details, and uh, love to have you out. We'll have, let's see who's going to join us. I believe it is going to be Ryan Klesko and Andrew Jones. Nice. Very cool. Join us for Brave for Days. So yeah, I'd love to have you guys out for that. I've only got so many spots. I've got uh, 30 spots for that. So, um, and it's been on sale for a week now. So I'm sure I've got less than that, but yeah, check it out and and uh, I'd love to have you sign up. Braves.com/alumni. Cool. Well, if you haven't listened to Andrew Jones on Behind the Braves, we we had a fun interview with him. That one's mm-hmm. also on YouTube, and I'm sure at some point we'll have Ryan Klesko yeah, on too. Yeah, it'd be so, a good one to have on. Yeah, we so, haven't had him on yet, so but. we'll have him on um, at some point. So awesome. We'll check out Brave for a day. Be sure to be here for the last homestand, SunTrust Park. There's a scenario as we're sitting here taping that the Braves could clinch the division before that homestand starts, but I think if uh, if we actually ran the numbers on it, the odds are that it, it could pr- probably will happen here at SunTrust Park next week. So nice. make sure you're – but whether it does or doesn't, or whether it's already happened by then, you still – it's the last homestand of the year. Great time uh, to come out to the ballpark. Alumni Sunday It's going to be awesome. Check out Brave for a day as well. And uh, as always, thank you to everybody for sharing and uh, reviewing and rating the Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts or listening to it on Spotify or at braves.com slash Behind the Braves. Or if you've been watching the episodes that are available on YouTube, uh, we very much appreciate all the work that Braves Vision does to cut those and then the wonderful folks in marketing that, that put them up on YouTube and take care of all that for us. So be sure to check all that out if you haven't already and keep telling your friends about it. So we very much appreciate it. Uh, and again, as always, thanks to our friends at Billy Reed for sponsoring Behind the Braves, our good friends at Billy Reed. Hopefully we'll see. I hope Billy's coming out to that last homestand. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll find We've out. We've asked. So we've asked. So we hope to see him out here. All righty. Well, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 